Welcome to Worldview Matters, discussing controversial issues, discerning current events, defending biblical Christianity. No topic off limits. And now, here's your host, David Fiorazzo. Hello, friends. Welcome to another show. Thank you so much for supporting WorldviewMatters.tv. Jumping right into it right now with J.B. Hickson. Um, he's an author. He's with Not By Works Ministries and pastor of Plum Creek Chapel in Sedalia, Colorado. And a little bit of what we're going to be talking about after we're going to talk about Israel. There's a little thing on his website there at notbyworks.org where he's uh, got uh, Harbinger's Daily linked up, and so do I. We want to refer you for the latest of what's happening in Israel and also world news, Harbinger's Daily. Check that out as well. But um, there it is. Yeah, so JB is on there. I'm on there. It's a blessing. It's a great uh, website and ministry. So the book that we're going to get to eventually is Spirit of the False Prophet, Rise of the Global Technocracy. This is number three. In a three-book set, there it is. I've got my copy. Thank you, JB. He even signed it, so this might be worth even a little bit more than the average book, uh, Spirit of the False Prophet. But JB, welcome back to Worldview Matters, brother. Hey, thanks so much, David. Uh, I tell you what, what a time we're living in. And, yes. um, you know, that that book certainly uh, talks a, a lot about the, the global elite and what they're doing to kind of usher in a one-world system. And we're seeing it, you know, un, you know, unfurl right before our very eyes right now. Yeah. And by the way, we didn't coordinate uh, with the black shirts. I think uh, this just happened. Sometimes that's God. But hey, you've been traveling a lot. Um, yes. You were speaking in the last week, week and a half and uh, got back late last night. Tell us about where you've been and, and the conferences you've been speaking at. Yeah, so we were actually in uh, Norman, Oklahoma at the large uh, Prophecy Watchers Conference with a number of uh, outstanding uh, Bible prophecy experts when the whole uh, war on Israel uh, unfolded. And so it was kind of interesting to be able to uh, pick the brains of, of guys like, uh, you know, Tom Hughes and Randy Price and uh, Bill Salas and Bill Koenig and uh, many others who really have uh, boots on the ground and key contacts in Israel. And we were getting uh, text and, you know, posts and, and so forth uh, in real time. And so uh, kind of had my finger on the pulse of that really since it launched. Uh, and uh, it's it's pretty amazing. But yeah, that was in uh, that was in Norman, Oklahoma. I spoke twice there and a whole host of phenomenal speakers. I encourage folks to go to prophecywatchers.com if they want to uh, purchase the videos there from that conference. And then uh, this past weekend, we were in Texas speaking at a a church. I spoke three times on why Bible prophecy matters. Those uh, uh, videos and podcasts are all posted up at notbyworks.org. So been on the road a bit, but we're home for a while now and uh, ready to ready to dive in. Well, you don't look as tired as I had imagined uh, after doing so much traveling. So, uh, you know, everybody well, must be taking care of you there. Well, it's because I'm so much younger than you, David. You know, it's just... <laughs> <laughs> not not hardly no i appreciate it yeah it's amazing what uh what the camera will do no it, it's been it, <laughs> it has been uh, stressful and travel's always uh stressful we pull yeah. a trailer and bring all of our product and our family goes with me brooke who works for us and uh my little granddaughter was with us on this trip so it was fun but uh, thankful for the opportunity to, to to get the word out nice so i too have been looking at the headlines and saw, like many of us, disturbing images and videos, whether that be social media or some on the news, 
um, of what's happened. It, it, it seemed to catch Israel off guard, J.B. Hickson, which is really surprising, yeah. really. With all, with all their technology and everything, um, it was a well-orchestrated attack for evil, if you want to give evil credit. Um, just your overall thoughts. I mean, I've got so many articles and headlines here, and I didn't know what we we're going to touch on at the beginning, and that's okay. I just want to hear your pastor's perspective on um, what were your first reactions when you found out what happened? Yeah, so most of our most of your viewers, because we've been working together for a couple of years, David, they know uh, kind of my my background and my passion. And so I take the view on all that's happened here um, a little differently than some of the mainstream uh, commentators. Now, I'm not alone. There are a lot of guys out there sounding the alarm about what what I believe really happened there. But uh, this did not catch Israel off guard. There's no doubt in my mind this was an inside job. It absolutely had to be. It's absolutely defies credulity to think that the mighty one of the mightiest militaries in the world with the highest level of security and surveillance uh, could be asleep at the wheel, especially on the day that it happened, which was marking three key dates in Israel's history. Plus, it was the most surveilled part of the Gaza wall. Uh, they had automatic machine guns. I mean, there's no way that we can say that, oh, this caught us off guard and we just we blew it. We didn't see it coming. I think this had to be an inside job. And, and again, I'm not alone saying that. There are a lot of uh, experts who have inside context, even much more than I do, that are saying the same thing. Uh, but there's a longstanding uh, technique in warfare that goes back centuries. I talk about it in my three-volume set. It's still taught to this day at the American War College. Uh, two key uh, uh, weapons, if you will. One of them is false flags and the other is stand down. And this has all the earmarks of a stand down. Uh, and that's because even though there are absolutely horrific atrocities uh, taking place over there because of Hamas, and we now know Iran is supporting not just Hezbollah, but also helped provide the weapons for Hamas, all of that is absolutely true. It's a very real hatred for Israel, God's people. But you've got to look beyond the, the two-dimensional realm and look at the three-dimensional, and there is a higher power at play here. There are evil globalists pulling the strings, trying to foment World War III, and uh, I think this is very much the beginnings of, of this uh, end times battles to bring in a one world system. That's that's my take on it. Wow. Um, excuse me. We texted a little bit back and forth. Um, I'm hearing a lot of speculation. I'm sure you are, too, from some of your prophecy watchers and friends. And as you said, we can have different views on this. This is not a salvation issue. This is an end times perspective that we're all seeing. Some people are reading into maybe Psalm 83, uh, mm -hmm. JB, where it talks about Israel being attacked very similarly than how this seemed to have played out with Hamas recently. Uh, your quick take on that, whatever you want to share. Yeah, no, I've, I've taught about Psalm 83 and Isaiah 17 for years uh, at the academic level. And I got to be honest with you, you know, theology is a process. We ought to always be going back to the scriptures and studying and and, and letting the scriptures speak for themselves. And in recent uh, months, I've really been taking a second look at that. And I've had um, my friend Bill Salas on the program. He's probably one of the preeminent experts on the future wars prophecies. We had him on just a couple of weeks ago talking about that. And what I admire about Bill, even though Going in, I really take a slightly different view to come to a different conclusion. I'm rethinking that because he is thoroughly biblical, and he really connects the biblical dots and uses a ton of Scripture 
And so I, I'm kind of still, still looking into it. I know that Psalm 83, there's no question it's a lament song with a bit of uh, imprecation involved in there. Is it also prophetic? I'd say there's a pretty good chance that it, it could be. Uh, and uh, I'm still kind of working my way through it. But either way, whether it is prophetic or not, we know that uh, there are uh, wars and battles and, and rumors of wars that Jesus predicted would take place in the lead up to the second coming, most of them involving the seven-year tribulation period. So it certainly should not surprise us that we're seeing a similar geopolitical uh, framework take shape even before the rapture. And, uh, and so that's kind of where I, I come down on that. It's very, very striking, the similarities that we see uh, from Psalm 83 to what's happening today. It is. It, it, I read it again this morning. I'm thinking, wow, this is amazingly uh, prophetic, whether it specifically applies to what just happened recently in Israel or not. It's guys. In fact, I encourage you to go read that. So Isaiah 17, Psalm 83. I was also looking at Ezekiel 38 today yeah. and going, wow, how does this all play in? But let's get your overall encouragement to our brothers and sisters in Christ especially in America, because JB, unfortunately, there's a lot of ignorance when it comes to history, uh, how, what the Christian should, what perspective we should take toward Israel, supporting Israel. There's really been some sad, maybe indoctrination and a lot of ignorance, even in the church. Uh, maybe they just kind of forgot some of world history. And of course, they don't look at it biblically. So your thoughts on that before we move on? Yeah, sadly, uh, replacement theology still has a, a foothold, a strong foothold in evangelical Christianity. And, uh, you know, it, it's owing to, to centuries of, of anti-Semitism and anti-Zionism. Uh, but we know what God's Word says. It's quite clear that there's a future for national Israel. And to me, one of the key prophetic uh, occurrences was May 14th, 1948, when Israel was rebirthed as a nation. And it really stunned everybody because for you know, if 1800 years or so, there was no Israel on the map. And so those of those of our predecessors who were out there teaching the plain, literal meaning of God's word, that, that Israel plays a central role in, in the end times, and that the king of kings is going to come back and take the throne in the rebuilt temple, and that prior to that, an antichrist is going to desecrate the temple. All of those things were just very difficult for people to believe. But suddenly, uh, in God's divine providence, Israel becomes a nation again, just as God's word said he, it would. And now uh, people are, are, I think, waking up to that reality. Uh, there's no question that what we see happening today has put Israel center stage. And to that extent, this should be exciting. I mean, yes. it's horrific. We pray for our brothers and sisters over there. We pray for the innocent. It, it's horrific on the one hand, but at the same time, it is amazing to see Bible prophecy happening because we know the end of the story. We know that the king comes back triumphant and all of these evildoers, all of these uh, terrorists, uh, Hamas, Hezbollah, Iran, th th these butchers, they're going to have their day when, when uh, God's wrath is poured out on the earth. Yes. And you said something, uh, putting Israel on center stage again. It's amazing that we are so America-centered here because of the blessings we enjoy, and even in the church. Um, I, I like the way you put that because, yeah, we need to be looking at Israel because that's where we're going to see prophecy played out, um, and that should be our focus to be, anyway to begin with. We should be watching Israel 
uh, biblically. But I want to, before we take a break, JB, very briefly, you mentioned replacement theology. So for some of our newer viewers and people that maybe are younger in the faith, what is replacement theology? Yeah, so a lot of people teach that the church has replaced Israel as God's uh, primary focus, and that there is no future for national Israel. God has done with them. He's set them aside. When they rejected the Messiah, God said, enough's enough, I'm done. And so all of the blessings that are clearly spelled out in the Bible for Israel, they say, are being fulfilled in the church today. So there's no literal kingdom, no literal temple, no literal tribulation, no literal antichrist or false prophet. All of the, you know, the 16% of Bible prophecy uh, that is unfulfilled to, to them is already being fulfilled today. And it's called replacement theology. But if you read your Bible in a plain literal sense, you know that all of the prophecies regarding Israel's uh, king in his first advent, the birth of our Savior at Bethlehem, were fulfilled literally. And likewise, all of the prophecies related to his second advent will be fulfilled literally, precisely as the Word of God says they will be. So we believe there's a future for national Israel. Uh, Christ is going to reign for a thousand years from a rebuilt temple over a kingdom of peace, righteousness, and judgment. So again, friends, replacement theology is unbiblical. So Absolutely. we can talk more about that in the future, but we've got to take a break. When we come back, this book I have in my hand, we'll be talking about that. The Spirit of the False Prophet, JB's latest book in a three-volume series. And I'm going to ask him what the heck was he talking about with Jan Markell recently, a week or two ago, turning humans into gods? We'll talk more with J.B. Hickson when we come back on Worldview Matters. Today's show is brought to you by Harbinger's Daily. World news biblically understood. Stay informed at harbingersdaily.com. J.B. Hickson is our guest. Notbyworks.org is the website. J.B., you were just on with Jan Markell actually a few weeks ago, and the title of that program was Turning Humans into Gods. I know that has something to do with your new book. Tell us about that if you can give us a little rundown. Yeah, Jan, of course, is a great blessing uh, to so many people, uh, yeah. kind of been out front in Bible in the world of Bible prophecy for so many years, and she's been a huge blessing to Not By Works Ministries. But yeah, we were on her program the same weekend we were at the Prophecy Watchers Conference, just coincidentally. And uh, so it was really amazing that the the response that we got from, from kind of that double whammy there being at the conference, as well as being on her 1,000-plus radio stations. But yeah, it's, we talked about the new book, and we talked specifically about transhumanism and how uh, Satan and his earthly co-conspirators uh, obviously hate God and they hate mankind because we are made in God's image. We're image bearers. And so they see humanity and they recognize that's the highest pinnacle of creation. It's the one frontier that they will never be able to conquer. So they're trying to create life that, in their view, transcends humanity, is better than humanity, uh, but it's all artificial. It's all fake. It's all man-made. And so you really, it really is the blind leading the blind. Uh, but transhumanism and the technocracy, which I talk about both of those in the new book, really are two sides of the same coin. Uh, the Bible teaches that one way or the other, we are headed towards a one-world government. It will be led for at least seven years by the Antichrist and false prophet, and then ultimately by Jesus Christ himself. The first part of it will be a satanic 
globalism, a satanic one world system. And uh, in order to exert complete full spectrum planetary control, the beast and the false prophet will have to use technology. You know, mm -hmm. Satan's not omniscient. He's not omnipotent. He's not omnipresent. So he will make use of technology to control people. And that, in a nutshell, is what a technocracy is. And that's what we talked with Jan about. And we're seeing that already, how the enemy is using minions, manifest the, the, what's going on in the spiritual realm, forces of darkness. It's manifesting in the, in the natural, in the flesh. And people are being used. Social media giants are being used. Governments are being used. Globalists. Now, when I see the, the title over there, Turning Humans into Gods, you've written quite a bit about transhumanism. JB, I think you were a, a little maybe ahead of the curve on this because a lot of people really didn't connect the dots on this weird sounding sci-fi movement of combining humans and machines. A little bit more about that and we'll, we'll dive into one of the chapters I wanted to talk to you about in your book. Yeah, so it's called a biodigital convergence. And, um, you know, a lot of people were familiar with transhumanism ever since uh, Julian Huxley kind of popularized the term with an article he wrote back in the 50s. But for a lot of people that don't have a biblical worldview, transhumanism just means the attempt to live forever, you know, cryogenics and overcoming death and uh, improving humanity so that, you know, biological and digital and mechanical all converge and we can live forever. But it's got a much more sinister agenda than that. It is satanic to the core. Uh, I make that case in the book. I talk about the origins and the history of it. it. It relates to artificial intelligence, which we have a whole chapter on that. I think we're going to talk about that in just a second. Uh, but absolutely, uh, transhumanism uh, is at its core Satan's attempt to be God. And he, to be God, you have to be able to create, uh, and God, Satan is doing his best to create, but he will never be able to create ex nihilo out of nothing the way God did. God spoke the world into existence, and time, space, and matter came into existence. Uh, God's the only eternal being. He eternally exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Satan's a created being. He's an angel who rebelled against God, and when his coup attempt in heaven uh, was uh, defeated, then he set his sights on earth. And for the last 6,000 years, he's been hard at work trying to prove uh, to God that he's better and that he this is his world, his domain. That's why John tells us the whole world is under the sway of the wicked one. Uh, and he's fast at work. And I think things are coming to a, a culmination here in our very day. Yeah, it's amazing. And, and in fact, it's, it's really amazing to some of us. We saw some of this on TV, you know, some of the sci-fi stuff, um, even their imaginations kind of now it's all kind of catching up what's happening and what's manifesting. But I want to go to chapter three in your book, and we're going to have JB on again and again, Lord willing, because this, there's so much in his book. But um, chapter three really caught my eye. Wanted to talk about that a little bit. It's called Technocratic Tyranny. And JB, I want to quote C.S. Lewis, who you quote toward the beginning of your chapter. And C.S. Lewis said, Of all tyrannies, a tyranny sincerely exercised for the good of its victims may be the most oppressive. It would be better to live under robber barons than under omnipotent moral busybodies. The robber baron's cruelty may sometimes sleep. His cupidity may at some point be satiated, but those who torment us for our own good will torment us without end, for they do so with the approval of their own conscience. I mean, there's a lot right in there. It's, it's a pretty deep quote, JB, but I think just by hearing those words, people are going, 
Yeah, that's kind of what's going on today. Go ahead and share. Yeah, it's an age-old trick of the devil. It goes back to Friedrich Hegel. It's called the Hegelian dialectic. But basically, when you have an agenda, in this case, an evil agenda, the easiest way to get people to embrace it is to make them think it's for their own good, mm. uh, to create a problem that has a predetermined solution, but you create the problem to begin with so that the people will beg for the solution. And then you act like, oh, okay, well, if it's what you really want, we'll give you this solution, but it's what you really wanted all along. I mean, and of course, Lewis uh, was coming from a, a biblical uh, perspective, but Thomas Paine said something similar. The greatest tyrannies are always perpetuated in the name of the noblest uh, causes and going way back hundreds of years before Christ, Aesop wrote, the tyrant will always find a pretext for his tyranny. So in the chapter you're talking about, and by the way, uh, folks can go to, as you put on the screen earlier, spiritofthefalseprophet.org. Spiritofthefalseprophet.org is the easiest place to go to learn more about the book. You can read the entire table of contents and the subsections so you know exactly what we're dealing with. Uh, I also include the entire preface there uh, so that you can read that and kind of see where we're headed. Uh, but as I talk about in this uh, chapter, technology is just such a pretext, right? It's People have become convinced that we need technology for convenience, for you know, smart technology, smartphones, you know, all smart devices, and we're kind of being boiled in the kettle. Uh, well, it's those very conveniences that will be turned on us someday and enable the globalists to be able to track uh, our every move. So it really is a technocratic tyranny. Boy, have we seen what you were just describing once 2020 came around and COVID hit. Have we seen this on steroids, right? I mean, we never oh, yeah. thought, oh, they're doing it for our own good, though, right, JV? <laughs> oh, yeah, no. And it's been, you know, I've been tracking it for a long time. You go back into my or some of my earlier books way back in 2012, I wrote a book called Great Last Day's Deception, Exposing mm. Satan's New World Order Agenda. And in that book, I talked a lot about uh, the technology that was being used to rig elections. I mentioned Dominion way back then. And so wow. uh, what we saw happening in 2020, not just with the pandemic, but with also with the election, uh, you know, really has been in play a long time. And, and that's what I want to encourage folks to understand with this war in Israel right now. Uh, it's about more than what it's about. I mean, to be sure, it's about hatred for Israel and trying to destroy Israel, uh, and Israel is right to respond, uh, you know, with incredible force uh, as they are doing. We are right to support Israel. Yes. But let's not get sucked into the the propaganda because there is a lot of misinformation out there that that they're trying to use to to foment a broader global conflagration. I, that brings me to one of the other questions I had from this chapter in, in your book, and this is under a little section called The Twilight of America. And you say in this chapter, um, another way the Luciferians will dismantle America's national sovereignty is by playing on our fears of military conflict in classic Hegelian dialectic form. They foment conflict with enemy nations like Russia and China in an effort to instigate World War III. But let's pause right there, JB, because what's happened now, it seems like I've heard rumbling some headlines of Russia and they're responding to this, perhaps getting involved over in Israel or the Middle East. Um, what are your thoughts now? Because I found that to be fascinating, but it's under the heading The Twilight of America. Share a little bit more about that. 
Yeah, so I make the case in this book as well as in the previous book, Spirit of the False, uh, uh, Spirit of the Antichrist, Volume Two, that the Luciferians have gone on record wanting to destroy America since the early yeah. 1900s. They they want to get rid of America. You've written a lot about it. You and I have talked about it a lot. They set in motion in the early part of the 20th century a systematic plan to try to bring down our country, and and they're well on their way to doing that. But something's going to happen that that ultimately is our final undoing. It remains to be seen whether that happens before or after after the rapture, but I have no doubt that that's where we're headed. And so uh, there's no question in my mind that what we're see, seeing happening over in Israel today is the beginnings of something much broader. I am not a prophet, obviously. I certainly could be wrong because it's tough to pin down the Luciferians on their, on their exact timetable. But if I had to guess, I would say that uh, Russia is going to be brought into this. We, we know they're already kind of in it secretly, you know, in the same way Iran is and some of these others. But I really believe that it's going gonna, it's gonna to really uh, explode into a much broader battle involving all kinds of fronts. And one other thing I would say to watch out for, because the Luciferians are masters at this, the ones pulling the strings of global conflict, they love to get all of our attention focused on one theater, and then do something somewhere else. So I would yes. keep your eye on North Korea. I would keep your eye on China and Taiwan. It would not surprise me a bit if we see something uh, develop over there. Another interesting and frightening thought is we know the left plays by another rule called never let a serious crisis go to waste. So yeah. they will use what's happening either way, whether you know a, a more massive war uh, you know, expands or regardless. So be careful. Like you said, watch out for these things. And JB, one more thing. We've got a couple minutes left. Um, you use the word Luciferians, and we've been talking about this for a long time. You use that word often in your books and everything. But for maybe some of our younger uh, audience or newer to the faith, they're going, okay, Luciferians. Now, that's, that's satanic, right? So explain yeah. a little bit about that terminology, please. Yeah, it's a biblical term, but it's also their term. So a lot of people use the phrase global elites or the deep state, or. Yeah. Uh, but ultimately it's a Luciferian elite. That's what yes. they call themselves. Lucifer comes from Isaiah 14. That was Satan's name before he fell. Uh, and uh, he is, in fact, their hero. They dedicate their books to him. They worship him. They pray to him the way you and I pray to Almighty God. Uh, and they think he's the hero in the Genesis account and God's the, the antagonist. And so the Luciferian elite is just a term that describes those involved in the Luciferian conspiracy, which the Luciferian conspiracy, as described in Psalm chapter 2, simply involves Satan, demons, and human counterparts working together to overthrow God as best they can. And of course, they're not going to succeed, but that's their plan. Brilliant. Uh, you mentioned uh, they dedicate their books to him. I think of Saul yeah. Alinsky, Rules for yeah. Radicals. I mean, one of Obama's yeah. heroes, Saul yeah. Alinsky, Hillary Clinton's hero. Um, yeah. And by the way, that book, I don't think it's still there. I think it, they wiped it off the site. But the NEA, the National Education Association, had that on their recommended reading list for decades. Rules oh, yeah. for Radicals. Uh, some of us wrote about it, called attention to it around, uh, well, shortly after Obama got elected. And we've learned more about what community organizing was and the Alinsky tactics. And the NEA took it off their website. Um, by the way, guys, you can get JB on Rumble. And also Freedom Project has a new Rumble channel. Please follow us there. So follow Not By Works Ministries on Rumble. Uh, JB, it's always fascinating with you, brother. I love your insights. And I just 
just am thankful for your friendship, how we connected uh, whenever that was years ago. And it's just been a blessing to hear from you. I believe you, you can give so much good information and insight to the body of Christ. So I know people watching are very thankful for you as well. So what, what do you have coming up soon? Amen. So, yeah, we're uh, going to be back in the pulpit at Plum Creek Chapel this coming Sunday there in Denver. So come by and see us if you're there. We've got a few conferences left. You can check out our events tab uh, for the rest of the year. Uh, but I just want to encourage folks in such a time as this, make sure you get your spiritual house in order. Amen. Yes. I mean, if you don't know the Lord, today's the day of salvation. Place your faith in Jesus Christ who died and rose again for your sins. He's the only hope of salvation. If you already know the Lord, keep walking by faith. And uh, we're supposed to walk by faith and not by sight. Uh, Spiritofthefalseprophet.org is the best place to go to learn more about the book. Amen, brother. I, I, worldview matters. What you just shared, if we are not saved and that we don't have that security, assurance of our eternal home with Christ, uh, get that taken care of. Do business with God, friends. Uh, JB, love you, brother. We will talk soon. Love you, David. Thanks so much, as always. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, friends. Uh, it's just always a blessing, man. I'm so just thrilled with uh, this new format. It goes by fast with every guest. But tomorrow we will have another troublemaker for the kingdom of God and the pro-life movement, Seth Gruber. SethGruber.com. He's an amazing, bold, articulate speaker and defender of preborn human lives in mother's wombs. Seth Gruber tomorrow on Worldview Matters. Thanks for your support, your prayers, and God bless you. As always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter. <laughs>